Hey, everybody. Welcome to the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. I'm so excited to have you on the show with me today. And as you can see, I have a guest. So today we are going to get inside the minds of today's millionaires. And as you know, I bring on all kinds of people from all walks of life that do all sorts of neat things. And we just kind of talk and interview and see what's happening and, and see what's happening in their mind. And ideally, they'll share some little nugget that may be the thing that you've been needing to hear to kind of help you make that switch from what you do to entrepreneurialism. And so today I have Steve Kafage. I had to write it down phonetically. I said it right, Steve? You got it. Have foggy. I'm like, woohoo. <laughs> so today, go. you are my wicked smart man. <laughs> I'm lucky to be here, Juan. Thank you. That's how me. we roll here. You be the wicked <laughs> smart man today. <laughs> So as you all know, that listen on the regular, the motto at Wonderful is people before profits. So if that resonates with you, you got the right place, the right time, and I got a great guest for you today. And we just, uh, and also you can find me at Dwanderful.com, D-W-A-N-D-E-R-F-U-L. I took Dwan and Wonderful and I made a new word. <laughs> so it's Wonderful. So Steve, how are you today? I'm good, good, enjoying the middle of the week here and uh, just getting ready to uh, prep for baby number two. Uh, that we, I know we got baby number two coming in six weeks. So it feels so close yet so far. I so we're, we're excited. Oh, babies are so cute. Do you know if you're having a boy or a girl? It'll be your second boy. Oh, two boys. Nice. Yeah. My son is 31. He has four kids. They had two girls, waited a couple of years, then they had two boys. So I have wow. a Winston and a Benjamin. <laughs> it worked out very well. <laughs> yeah, and I like those names. I was like, oh, those are like good names. Those are good, strong names. Winston and Benjamin. Except they call the baby Winnie. I'm like, listen, when that boy's like six, you guys go, Winnie, he's going to hate you. Call him <laughs> I, would, I would understand it. Call him Winston. Because like Benny is one thing, but Winnie, it's like, oh, man, don't call him that. That's like Winnie the Pooh. He's going to be called Winnie the Pooh his whole life. So I'm trying to break the habit of everybody nicknaming him Winnie. Because I'm like, poor kid will be doomed to be called Winnie the Pooh his whole life. So don't do that. Winston. <laughs> I, will, I will take that advice. I'm sure I'll appreciate it. <laughs> but you know, to think about, you know, when you nickname your kids, they don't outgrow it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like I an eight-year-old man, like, hey, Winnie, what's up? You know, so <laughs> I, I call my kids by their name because if you nickname them, that you can't ever outgrow a nickname. And my husband, is, his name is William, and he goes by Bill. But as a kid, people called him Billy. So he's like 64, and people go, hey, what's up, Billy? I'm like, who are you talking to? <laughs> I see you're protective on the names. <laughs> ah, and then he's like, I'm like, Billy? Seriously? So, anyway, but I love Steve. That's a great name. And I asked you before we started to get that it's Egyptian. Yep. I am full Egyptian. Uh, did the whole DNA test and came back with 99.9. Oh. As close as I thought I would ever be. Were you born in Egypt? I was born in the States. Uh, so, my parents immigrated here uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s. And Nice. Uh, had both me and my sister here, and uh, we've been here ever since. So you did the DNA thing, and you're like, that's it, 100%. That's so cool. Oh, that was so funny with my wife. She's like, wow, you weren't kidding, huh? Well, <laughs> She's like, pure. It, it really is, and that's rare, because when you take, like, we did our thing, and we're like a, a you know, a little piece of like 100 things, and even like, oh, my, you know, my whole life. Family is from England and Ireland. We're 100%. We're English, 100%. And then you get the DNA. It's like, okay, but we're like a part of like 50 things. So yeah. it's kind of cool when you find someone that's like literally 100% of that. Because I don't, 
I mean, maybe that's common. I, don't, I feel like in America, that's not common because we're a melting pot. Maybe in other yep. countries it's common, but I feel like here, if you're 100% of one thing, now that's a big thing. You know, it's it's rare and I'm, I'm very proud of who I am, but I think whatever mix you are, you're a wonderful mix. You're awesome. <laughs> I was super excited to find out. We're like 1% African. I was like, woo, look at me. I got some going on over here. I was so excited. Uh, about yeah. that. But then I think my family's Irish. I'm like, mm, I don't know how that worked out, but that's kind of fun. Okay. So not to get too super sidetracked. Uh, we actually start off, we have drinks with Juan. So I am having a tea. What do you have there? I'm having a glow mm -hmm. for some afternoon pick-me-up energy. Oh, nice. Okay, so uh, cheers. Thank cheers. Thank you for having me. Everyone, we'll take a drink. We'll take a deep breath. We do a stretch. We wake ourselves up. And we set our minds to learning and to having fun and having a good time together. So, see, first of all, what we do is I like to have my guests. Tell us who you are, how we get a hold of you, and like really brief, one or two sentences, what you do. And then I am going to ask you a bunch of questions to find out how you got to be where you are today. So we want to know, what is your deal? So my name is Seif. I'm the CEO and co-founder of TechFester. Uh, we help busy professionals invest in the short-term rentals passively and get that beautiful cash flow and tax benefits and investing in a new and alternative asset class powered by technology. That was great and short. Usually people have like five full minutes. It's like, no, a sentence. Okay, how do we get a hold of you? So you can reach us out. Uh, you can reach me at seep at techfester.com. That's T-E-C-H-V-E-S-T-O-R.com or just by heading over to techfester.com and uh, learning a little bit more about us. And you're on um, you're on social media and stuff too, right? Uh, a lot of people on our team are. I'm. You can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm just at Seif Kafagi. You know, generally across those locations. But my a lot of my team likes to get social, so feel free to interact with any one of us. I think I follow you. I think I might follow you on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I try yeah. to follow so everyone on Instagram <laughs> that is on my show ever because you know I'm super interested in people. So <laughs> um, okay, so I love this, this, this the fact that you are into the short-term rental space. So you help people do... Yeah, I help people invest in short-term rentals passively. So just like you might invest. invest. Yeah, just like you might invest in, say, multifamily, you know, in, mm -hmm. a, in a syndicate, in syndication or a fund of sorts. Same exact thing that we do, but the asset cost of choice is short-term rentals. And the uh, thing that we do a little bit differently is we built technology around the space that allows us to operate at a higher profit margin, better cash on cash, better returns. It's one of our competitive advantages. Primary reason for that is myself and Sabrina, uh, we're the two co-founders who come from a background of technology. I spent five years at Facebook. She's, she built AirPods, it's the very same ones I'm wearing right now. And uh, the world of... Yeah, the world of real estate is very, um, it's great, it's human driven as it should be, but it's missing a lot of technology and automations in so many ways that we've been able to bring and you know offer that to our investor base. So much. I've been investing for 30 years. So now think about this, in like in 1990, there's no internet, you can't go online and look for foreclosures. There's not even a GPS. You have to like use that map book to get your way around and find things. And so when I meet people now and they're like, oh, I can't find a deal. I'm like, listen to me. <laughs> I started, I had to drive to the courthouse and hand dry and I had to map things out. You have everything in the world right there. You don't even have to have it just right there. So you cannot tell me you can't figure it out with all the technology. But you know, you're really right about that because real estate investing, as far as especially things like that and rentals and management, there's not a lot of technology with it there is more obviously but it's really like in the last few years that has become a little more tech savvy i think 
Yeah, you know, for us, we built technology around a few key things because it was lacked in the space because the space really hasn't seen an operator like us, right? So for us specifically, you know, to buy one short-term rental, maybe you do everything manually, but we're on number 43 in less than eight months. So how do you buy 50, 100, 1,000 short-term rentals without underwriting every single property in the world, right? And so for us, we built software that underwrites for us, right? And 94% of the time, the property sucks. So we're, we're not wasting time. We're focusing our energy on the 6% of deals that actually make sense, right? Um, so we built software around that. We built our own operating dashboard that allows us to actually run these short-term rentals. Give you an idea, in Q2, we ran our properties at 52% more uh, revenue and 42% more occupancy than our competition, right? Because we built an operating system for our short-term rentals. And because of these things, we're able to identify and lead with data every little action that we do. So we built for ourselves first because it was we were solving for the struggles and pain uh -huh. that we felt as operators. And I think a lot of our investors who are uh, definitely looking for that technological edge can understand and align with that because technology is not necessarily a bad thing. We believe real estate is a human-driven business and we believe it'll always be that way. But we absolutely think that there are ways that technology and automation can improve the experience for both investors um, and operators alike. They can. And you know, you get a lot of people like, like I'm in my 60s. So I've been investing for a long time. So you meet a lot of people that have been investing 20, 30 years already. And we weren't raised with, you know, keyboards at our fingers. So when you have investors that are a little, I'm not going to say older because I don't consider myself, but you know, a little, a little more seasoned technology is a struggle. Like for me, like straight out technology is a struggle for me. I have to, to learn something new. Initially, we're like, I, you know, I'll watch videos, I'll learn. I'm like, you know what, screw that. So I need to learn something new. I just hire someone. Like, listen, work with me for two hours and teach me how to do this because I, I don't have the time to try to learn new stuff. Dawn, you are, first of all, you don't work a day past 20. And two, <laughs> and two you're running an incredible podcast. I, you know, I think your technological edge is incredible, I'm sure. I mean, clearly you're adapting, right? You also don't last in the real estate business 20, 30, 40 years without adapting to the market and the yeah. things around you, right? So kudos to you there. So thank you. And I, I accept the compliment. I thank you for that. So I do mine on Zoom. And if people are like, oh, you know, Antoine, you've been going for a while. I need to go to Steam Yard. You know, I'm like, I need some more technology. So every time <laughs> I have to like up something, I have to take a minute and mentally prepare for it. So I am the kind of person that would love someone like you that could say, look, here's this thing, is a dashboard. You can invest, we'll find your properties, we'll man, we'll do all that. I I am that person that now has learned how to delegate everything and it makes life so much better. Yeah. And, and I think that's what we see from our investors, right? Like 90% of our investor base identifies as a busy professional in some sort of high income, high demanding job, either at home or in the workplace. And they want to diversify their real estate investments outside of the traditional things. Yeah. Um, and doing a short-term rental is very hard to do it yourself, especially if you're doing it out of state, renovating it, designing it, furnishing it, running it, operating, unless you want to, of course, give up 30 to 40% of that revenue to some property manager that's probably not going to care about your property as much yep. as you do. Um, and so, and they don't have the, the technology that we have either. So that's why I think we we win on the front of, of STRs. And I think we build a lot of trust and confidence with our investors because of those things. We And also we were there, we were our investors, right? Yep. Sabrina and I were working, you know, high, um, high income earning jobs in demanding professions in technology. And we had the capital, we just didn't have the time or energy. So we had to build solutions for ourselves. And that's exactly what we built for ourselves is the type of community that we would have wanted. Nice. Is Sabrina your wife? Sabrina is my co-founder, but not my wife. She's your co-founder. Okay. Yeah. What is your wife's name? My wife's name is Brandy. Brandy? 
Brandy. Yep. Brandy. Okay. So is she also uh, Egyptian? No, Brandy is, uh, she's half Mexican, half Puerto Rican, and I'm uh, sorry, half Mexican, quarter Puerto Rican, quarter black. Oh my gosh. You must have like yeah. the most beautiful children. <laughs> we are, we're, we're very blessed. I don't know if you could see, but here's, here's, oh uh, my God. this is Zane. He's, uh, he's our, he's honestly the sweetest boy I think I've ever met in my oh. life in general, sweetest human being. And we're, uh, we're hoping baby number two is uh, just as sweet, but uh, you know what they say, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> so I'm sure. Oh, one yeah, of them you are. Can. yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Zane, Zane's a good name too. That's like a good, that's a nice, that's a strong name. Okay. So you guys, in addition to the tech, you actually find rehab, fix, get ready, these short-term rentals, and you do it with investors. So if I'm someone, I say, hey, listen, see if I want to, I want to buy into one of your things. Like, do I have to be accredited? Can I just drop some money? Like, what's the deal for me? Yeah. So we work directly with accredited investors exclusively. So okay. um, if you want to just, if you go to techinvestor.com, you book a time with one of our uh, team members and talk to someone on our investor relations team, you do have to be accredited uh, to invest with us. Um, okay. However, if you're not accredited, you can work with several of our partners. You can also reach out to us and we can refer you over to uh, one of our partners who do invest with us through a, di through a different um, investing entity. It's called an SPV. But the process is very simple. Your you're minimum is 25 grand. Uh, you're an instant shareholder in a portfolio of short-term rentals all across the country. It's fully passive. You have a beautifully branded uh, investor experience that you can log in, see how everything is doing in real time with updates. We update you every quarter at a minimum, usually more often than that. And uh, you receive quarterly cash flow. And when it's tax time, you get a beautifully done K-1. It's already done for you. You can upload it to TurboTax or give it to your CPA and call it a day. Uh, we nice. want to make sure the investor experience is super passive um, and super insightful, right? We lead with education first. In fact, if you read any of our quarterly updates or watch our videos, everything we do comes from a sense of how can we educate our investors yes. on why this is happening? You know, even today, right? Like we're in somewhat of a volatile market. We've seen interest rates rise 78% since launch. Uh, cost of labor is up. And, you know, does that impact our underwriting and our projections? course it does. Does that yeah, mean we're not doing well? No, you know, out the gate and some of the thing of short-term rentals, we're hitting anywhere between eight and 9% cash on cash on our properties. And that's before stabilization, right? And we compare that to multifamily, right? That's more than double often what you see in multifamily right yeah, out the is. gate. So this is the type of asset class that we think is mispriced. You buy a single family home, you operate it in this way. And then down the line, two, three, four, five years from now, because this is a five-year fund, we're going to sell this portfolio based on revenue. Right, just like you would sell your multifamily portfolio yep. as well. Nice, you guys are like you have it down to a science. You know, it's uh, it, short-term rentals is a lot of science, but I'm telling you, it's a lot of art. In fact, one of the one of the lowest hanging fruits we do, which is our most impactful, is the, our ability to design and renovate these homes because it's just like Google, right? When you type in something on Google, how often, Dawn, do you go past page one? It's very, it's rare, right? So it's about what shows up, it's about intent, it's about what looks good, aesthetics please the yeah. eye, right? It is part of the psychology of a technological product and also about ranking. So because we come from a tech background as well, we understand how people's psychology book an Airbnb, but also how Airbnb builds their product, right? And so it's all about showing up and being relevant in the right place at the right time. And those are some of our very low hanging fruit strategies to drive additional revenue. And that's why we perform in the top percentiles that we do. Nice. Now you're doing Airbnbs like for people on vacation for a few weeks, or are you running to like executives for a few months at a time, or are you kind of doing a little bit of all? Yeah, I would say about 80 to 90% of our guests are typically booking for a weekend to a week-ish 
right? So they're typically travelers coming uh, for some reason. It could be business or pleasure, but it's it's not really a midterm stay, is what you're describing. So 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Most of our homes do not, you know, go for that. A lot of our homes are bigger. They have beautiful big murals. They're designed for bachelorette parties bachelor parties, golf trips, families, cabins. Rarely will we buy a one bedroom, one bath condo in the city no. of say, yeah, you know, but in some, in, well, in some Metro, right. It, the margins aren't incredible there for what we do. And also it's not just as fun. You know, we, we get really creative with the design on our homes and it's one of the biggest things that allows us to outproduce is you look at our properties. I mean, they're it's icon, it's eye candy, right. And because it's eye candy, it allows you to book better rates yeah. more often because people care about their environment and what it yeah, they do. Like. <laughs> it's just on a vacation. You're like, don't want to stay someplace that's all, I don't know. Yeah. You, like that's part of the whole vacation experience. So now do you personally help design these and decorate them and, and make them aesthetically beautiful and pleasing? Do you personally help do that? Yeah, no. So Sabrina runs our entire operational arm. So she runs an incredibly lean operation with design and everything in house. So we find it, we design it, we furnish it, we renovate it, we operate it. We do everything completely vertically integrated and we're the only company in the entire country uh, down to a T that we can do everything in-house. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think I know anyone that does all of that. Yep, we're fully vertically integrated. It's so interesting about like short-term rentals. Like, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, if someone would have said, oh, I'm doing a short-term Airbnb, everyone would be like, I don't even know what you're talking about because it wasn't even a thing. Yeah. Now there's so many people doing it, but so many people do it so wrong and... Well, we actually never intended to do everything in-house. So the story is when we launched in Q4 of 2021, we were like, we're going to raise the money. We're going to operate the pricing and the revenue and really just drive a really successful business. And we'll just basically outsource everything else to the big guys, right? People who are a specific niche in whatever that space is, right? Whether it's acquisition or whether it's renovation or management or whatever. And you know what we learned? Nobody could do what we do to the extent and the expectation and confidence that we could do it in. Now, it was hard. We took the harder route to get here, right? To build everything in-house, to build that infrastructure. But that's exactly why our infrastructure is so valuable today, right? And that's why people um, will pay for it because exactly. you didn't just build it like for someone else. You built it for yourself. And then we're like, hey, I have something here that other people would also like. Yeah. And, and, and that, let me ask you this question. Do you... Can people be a part of your, like your tech without being a part of your Airbnbs? Can they be like, hey, I have 15 Airbnbs. I really like your technology. Can I pay for just that portion and not be a part of all your stuff? I just, I have my own thing, but I don't know how to manage it properly. Do you, can they do that too? They can't today, but it's one of the most common questions we get from Airbnb hosts who reach out to us is, hey, can we leverage or hire you guys or your team or your software um, in any capacity? And we've had several venture firms reach out to us who are saying, hey, would you like to raise money to scale the software side of this, right? And it's something that we will probably consider in the future, but it's one of our biggest competitive advantages today. We believe that in order to build the best possible product, we should build it for ourselves. And if, we, and if it works for us, then you know that product can, will, and probably work for mostly anyone else. Um, and so we are our first customer. Right, we're building hey. for ourselves. Yeah, I love right? that. But here's the thing: if you, because that's why I'm thinking, like, wow, I know so many people that are in the Airbnb space that would love to have your technology. But here's the thing: if you sell the technology out and your brand, the name is on it, and the next person that has their own little syndication and little thing, and their properties aren't as good or as nice or whatever, then they're gonna throw it back at you. 
Like, well, I got Steve's thing and these properties don't compare to what he has. And you know what I mean? So other people could actually bring down like the beautiful thing that you guys have built. They could, but I think you made a great point at the beginning of the show. And I think it's what you and I also believe that people come first, right? You can give anyone all the software and technology out in the world, in the, in the world of real estate. And if they're not good operators and understanding what they're going to do, they're going to fail. The software we have is not rocket science. It's not the reason why that we exclusively do well. It's because the people who are using the software and their qualitative knowledge and quantitative understanding of the market as operators, um, and that's my entire team, and I'm so proud of the team that we have, that's the competitive advantage, right? The tools are great. The tools make life easier, right? But the people using the tools matter more. Yeah, I do. I've always like, you know, people write these big, long business. Uh, what's it called? Yeah, this is my... Um, Your business plan. Yeah, no, not the plan. Oh, you know, when mm. you have like, these are, I can't even think of the word. I'm missing a word right now. And they mm. said, um, and I, like mine is like people before profits. People write these big, long, their motto or whatever it's called. There's a word for it though. Yeah. Like, our motto over here is like, that, that, that. And it's like 87 lines. It's like, oh my God, nobody reads that. So just like, I'm just like, people before profits, that kind of says it all. So you fall into that. What's it called when you write up your business? It's not a motto. Like your vision or your mission. mission. Your mission. Sometimes I miss words. If I haven't used the word (laughs) for a minute, I'm like, okay, where did that word go? (laughs) I'm with you. A long time ago, I had written some big old long mission statement. I thought, oh my gosh, like seriously, whoever reads those? I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to use three words. If people don't get it, then. Well, you joked about. You joked about uh, our our in my intro and you were like, tell me how to get in contact with you and what you do, right? And it's it, it felt like it was very well put together. It's because we've, we've thought about it, right? It and great. we've been through it, right? We're like, this is who we serve. We serve the busy professional who doesn't want to do this themselves. They don't, they don't. Have, they don't have the time, energy, or know-how. And mm-hmm. that's fine. We are The expectation as humans is not to be able to do everything. In fact, life is not intended for you to be able to do everything yourself. Life is intended for you to be able to do a few things very well and understand the, the benefits of doing and letting other people do other things for you. Yeah. Right. No, I, That's I, the I, only I, way this works. I love it. I loved your intro because honestly, when I tell people like give me the short version, sometimes they'll talk for honest to God like seven straight minutes. It's like you literally <laughs> just said every single thing I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> so you were done. You should- I was like, oh, hang on a minute. He understood the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> That's this is this is where that TikTok theme song could come straight in, right? He understood the assignment. <laughs> it's like I, get it. I love it. Yeah, I love what you do. I mean, I, I I have to be honest. I haven't looked at all of your stuff, but just listen to you talk about it. Like I feel excited. Like, I want to be a part of the excitement. We would have, we would love have, to have wonderful things with us. Yes, you would. <laughs> yes, you would. All right. So let me backtrack just a little bit. So how old are you now? Uh, twenty nine. You are a baby. <laughs> it's uh, we're getting a couple white hairs every once in a while, <laughs> but uh, we are we are a young team for sure. But you know what? I I joke about this. We built our advisory board the way that we did because we were a young team. We actually went out. We reached out to key people in the industry and we we're like, look, we need some white hair on the team. Why? Because there's going to be things that we've come across that we don't know how to come, you know, deal with. Because right. guess what? We've never actually been through a recession. You ask me, see, how would you deal with a recession? I will give you every analytical answer in the book, right? Mm-hmm. Have I studied it every possible way? But have I ever actually been through a recession and dealt with one? 
Never have. Haven't lived through one, right? At least certainly not as an adult. I have that wish right now. (laughs) The The good news is I feel better than ever about our team and the ability for us to execute in that environment because of the structure and the advisory board and the knowledge we have in terms of our ecosystem. And I think that's another testament to people over profits. Yeah, no, it really is. I, I, I love your heart about that. Um, it's just funny. I, I, cause you know, I interview a lot of people and I'm at a point now where I have a hard time telling how old people are. Like, I don't know if that's because you just get older because your kids get older. <laughs> and I'm like, people tell me their age and I'm always surprised either by how young or, or old or whatever, but I'm like 29, you are a baby. <laughs> and that's amazing. But see, you're in the generation. What's your generation? You're not millennials. You're called Gen X, I think. I think, X, I think. I think Gen, Gen X. Gen X, right? You're Gen Z. Gen Z. Why is One Z? of them. I think you're Z. I Googled it the other day. Let's see. I um, think I'm a, I'm pretty positive uh, Gen Z. Yeah. yeah. Or millennials. Gen Z or millennials. 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 Yeah, millennials. I think the cutoff age. I don't know. My son, my youngest one is 31. Mm. He's still a millennial. Yeah. So you might still be. I sort of been there. But I was reading just like days ago. I was reading about the new generation, what they're called, the Gen Zs. And it just talks about like, so many interesting things about your age group and just the technology and how it's so natural and like you're the generation, the millennials too, but your generation is a hundred percent born with all technology skills. Millennials still, some of them can be in their later forties and they weren't necessarily born with like a keyboard at their fingertips. I think the Gen Z's are the first generation that don't know any other way of life except technology. Yeah. And you're hundred percent on that, right? We, uh, my wife's brother, he's, uh, 14. And, uh, you know, we did a little, we did, we had a funny moment. I think it was last Thanksgiving uh-huh. and we said, Hey, how would you call somebody? Right? Like what's, what's the move that you make when you call somebody? And like you or I might go like this, right? Like, I this still do the, that. Yeah. That's the phone signal. Right. Or like the phone thing. He goes like this. Oh. And because he's used to holding his iPhone <laughs> like this, <laughs> right? And as soon as he did that, we just died laughing because uh. it was just, I mean, it was just so evident that he's not known anything else but technology, right? Yeah. And honestly, he is 10 times better at technology than most people I know. And he's only yeah. 14 because it's all that he, you know, is built around. And, you know, being around technology because of our places of work and what we do today, I think we're certainly more advanced than the average consumer for, for Sure. But I mean, there are so many things that we can do and still improve on. And we're very excited with where that can go. It's interesting to read. And I read about stuff like that because, you know, I'm 63 and I teach real estate investing. And mostly I like to try to work with like new, new, new people. So I read about different age groups because I do have people that are 25 years old and want to work with me. Why do I need to understand them? And I have people that are my age that want to work with me. And I'm like, listen, you need to understand me. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All right. 100%. I get a little bit of both because of my kids and my age. And, and so I try to sort of stay up with like where everybody is at. But the Gen Zs are the first like straight up. No, no. Like if you put them in a room with a rotary phone, they would not even, not even. They would, they wouldn't know what to do. I watched those videos wow. of the kids trying to dial phones. And it's so funny because it's like, how do you not know that? But how would you know that? <laughs> they wouldn't. You, okay. you just have to experience it. Right. <laughs> and I think that's half the battle these days. It is, it is, it is. I love technology, but for myself personally, I'm just like, (laughs) that's a learning curve. So sometimes I'm like, you know what, listen, like I said, I'm like, you know, let me just hire somebody 
show me how to do this or do it for me. Let me just pay you to do it for me. And then I can do what I like to do, which is talking, teaching, interviewing. And I don't have to deal with all the stuff behind it because it is a, more of a learning. I mean, for me anyway, I don't know. I, I was raised like in the country and in the boondocks and I didn't even have a computer until the 90s. Well, you know, you, I, you wouldn't be able to tell today. You wouldn't be able to tell, right? You 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 integrated yourself well with tech, and it clearly shows. It's my pink hair; it throws everybody. <laughs> <laughs> People just think I'm hip because I look cool. It's like <laughs> I'm not really that hip. It's just I just love because they're like, oh my gosh, she's got so much happening over there. <laughs> Perception can be reality sometimes. <laughs> I tell people that all the time. Perception is reality. Yeah. If people think you know something, then they yeah, believe you do. If they think you don't, then you don't. So so I believe perception is reality. So I'm just like, yep, this is it. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's kind of go back a little bit. So it's not really that far back because you're just 29. <laughs> but when you were like a kid, like 13, 14, like what was, the, where were you living? Like what was that seat doing? What was the teenage, young teen version of you? I was living in a small town about 45 minutes north of Los Angeles. Uh And, you know, I was curious at the time. Um, When I was younger, I would always, you know, really do one of two things. It was take apart computers. I thought I was going to be an engineer for like when I was very young and put them back together. And my one of my first businesses actually right around that time is I used to buy cars and flip them. My dad used to take me to go basically buy the car because I was too young to, to buy the car, right? Driving in California as 15 and a half, 16. And we would buy the cars and, you know, bring them home. We'd potentially fix them up, often never even actually fix them up. We just bought them well, right? Which is the first thing, which is the first thing that it taught me about real estate. That's right. That's the right? first thing. Buy it right. Buy it right and make money right just right there because cars are not an appreciating asset, at least not until recently. And we just bought it right and we'd flip them. And you know, we think over the course of like a few years, we probably made 70 grand, which I would roll into my next business. And that was a sports camp that I ran for, uh, for predominantly the summers, but then became a year round program for kids in like the county that I grew up in. And then I would sell that business a few months later uh, after launching it. And so I found myself in a position where I had a decent chunk of money uh, and I could buy my first property. And so this was, this was young Seek. This was like right around high school. How old were you to buy your first property? 17, 18. Really? Um, and I actually couldn't do everything myself because I, I wasn't, A, I didn't have all the money. And two, I didn't understand it. So I went halvesies with my uncle. The property ended up just dying, right? Like so quickly. This was like, again, you're thinking like at this point, it's like between 08, 2011 time. Oh, right. The whole big giant recession, everything was pinging. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know any better. Um, so anyway, we lost all my money. My, my uncle got all his money back because it was obviously my decision to kind of move forward in that. And what it taught me is probably the most expensive lesson that I'd ever learned, which really understand what you're buying and lead with data. Right. I made that as an emotional decision as someone who wanted to get into real estate, because I thought it was cool. And, you know, my parents at the time, thankfully were like, look, it's your money. If you want to buy this property, go for it. Again, you people people often forget that like back in 2008 2012 even into the late 20 teens buying a property out of state was like like unheard of like even uh, the first most court, people today still won't do it 
they won't do it because because they don't understand it. They're scared, but they're like, the first question is like, how are you going to manage it? Because you almost have to, you feel like you have to have eyes on it. In fact, my uncle was the one who got me interested in real estate and he owned a few properties locally. And every week he would take me and we would drive by the property because he needed to feel confident that the property was still there. Like it was yeah. tangible, like someone could pick it up and take it away. Yeah. Right. And, you know, for a lot of reasons, that's what I thought the world needed to be. But as I, as the market evolved, I also learned that that real estate does not have to be local, right? Invest where it makes sense is the first thing that you should do. And today, you know, 43 properties into our short-term rental fund and over $25 million spent, right? In the last eight months, I think I have personally seen maybe three of them, right? Like, yeah. and they're all, well, I shouldn't say they're all performing incredibly. I, like we're performing the fund on a portfolio level incredibly, but 70, 80% of them are like really great high performers yeah. and the others are hitting their numbers. And guess yeah, what? They're there. They they're didn't there. move. <laughs> they're there. They're there. But you know what? That's true because... I do a lot of uh, training with brand new investors and I always say right out of the bat, buy stuff out of state. And they're like, oh, you know, just like that. Oh, I'm going to be able to look at it and have eyes on it. It is so hard to get people to buy out of state. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I understand it, but that's almost exactly why one of the reasons we exist, right? If you don't want to do it yourself and go figure that out yourself, great. You can invest with someone like us or someone that you trust in some other capacity or some other asset class and yeah. get exposure to that asset class. And this was all made possible by things like the Jobs Act in 2016 yeah. that allowed people to get more exposure into this space. Now, there's protections in place or things you should check and things that you should bet. But there is more access than ever. In addition to technology, we've made such leaps and bounds on the regulations and legalities of the space. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I We buy properties out of state, almost all of our properties. We live in Denver, Colorado. So in Denver, like if you want to buy a rental, even like in the hood, a rental is like 550000 bucks. So I can take the same 500000 and go to Clinton, Iowa, and I can buy a house that's a three bed, two bath for 50,000. I can buy 10 of them, but it's yep. the same exact amount of money. So we started buying, I mean, I've always bought out of state, but people still are like, well, how do you manage it out of state? Like who, who's there for? I'm like, mm. it's all done. You're, you're like, it's there's really this thing called the property to, manager. Even young people, it's hard to get people to do that. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I like funds and things like yours, because I think if they can see you, they can look at it online. They can see pictures. They feel like it's almost like being there. Yeah. It's still, it's a, it is a hard thing to get people to like, let go of stuff. I totally get that. I, I joke with our investors and I'm like, we have like a hundred photos per property. So feel free to go pretend like you're there and use this thing called Google Earth. Yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, I gotta tell you, the first time I did Google Earth on my own house and it zoomed down on my own house, I was like, okay, I don't know if I like that or if it's creepy. <laughs> Because it's like, there's my house. It's like, oh my God, I don't even know uh, what I think about this. Because yeah. you know, I kept going down, down, down. Because we live on in 10 acres in the mountains. And like, you could see everything. And I was like, hmm. I don't know. If I'm on the back deck laying out, can somebody see that? Like, I don't know if I like this or not. So yep. it was cool, but it was well, the very first time. I was like, hmm, a little bit unnerving. So, all right. So I'm going to ask you just some random questions. Um, sure. And I, and I know you're young. So what's your, at this time, what's your favorite band of all time? My favorite band, honestly, you know, when I was growing up, I was such a fan of the Backstreet Boys. And like, let me tell you, I was a fan, fan back then. I don't know if we want to consider them a band, an we actual do. band. But I'm just saying they were a thing. And, if, you know, that I, just, I just, just a dirty passion of mine back in the day. No, <laughs> my daughter loved Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Mm. And I know the words to all the songs. 
And I, I do too. <laughs> I listen to them with my kids and I can do all the dances. It's like, I, I love boy bands. Yeah, now, my, mine go way back, but I was in love with the Jackson five. Yeah. Like I, I they, Michael Jackson when I grow up. Cause they're you know, <laughs> boy band. He was my exact age. And the Osmonds, it's like, Oh, I'm going to marry Tony Osmond and Michael Jackson. <gasps> oh, and then, you know, he has, he has a, he's an incredible track record for uh, good performances for sure. Mm, but they were a boy <laughs> band back in, gosh, I know, that's like the seventies. Holy cow. Boy bands <laughs> are the best. What's your favorite food? You know, personally, I love French fries. Like I know it's just super really? simple, super simple. One of my favorite things I've ever gotten in my life. I was in Amsterdam. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. They literally have like shops. That's just about French fries and like 40 different sauces. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? This is dream. This is heaven. And yeah. it's just, I love French fries. Um, I don't eat them all the time, but when I do, man, can I crush me some French fries? <laughs> now, I've been in Amsterdam. It's the first time I ever saw like that too. And I was like, wow, why don't they have these in America? Yeah, so, yeah, what, super cool. Whose fries are your favorite? Who's, I'm sorry? Whose French fries are your favorite? You know, personally, you actually, I don't even think I like my own, um, but my favorite personally are going to be McDonald's fries. It's just, I mean, that with a with a Diet Coke and, you uh, know, look, I, I can be healthy like 85% of my life, but there will be some parts of my life where I'm like, just give me some fries. I know. Just give me some fries. McDonald's. Yeah. When I'm craving fries, I only go to McDonald's. If you just want the fries, I feel like you can't beat their fries. It's like, yeah, but I have um, mine with I'm the, uh, not a diet. I have mine with the fattening Coke. <laughs> <laughs> the good stuff. The good stuff. It's like, listen, at this point, it's like, I don't care. If I'm going to eat the fries, I might as well just have the Coke too. Like, <laughs> and then I throw salt on top. So they're not, and I make it extra salty. It's like, oh, yeah. favorite mm -hmm. thing. Um, what is your favorite part of the day? I think it's actually right when my son wakes up, right? Because at this time, it'll be, I've gotten a little bit of work done, you know, got a little bit of quiet time. But him in the morning, he is just so happy with just waking up and like yeah. taking on the day. It's a motivation I never thought would be a huge motivating thing. Yeah. Um, and it actually just makes the rest of my day get through easier. I'll, I'll hop, I work from home, our entire team is remote. And being able to just hop out and go see him from time to time and the best 15 minute pick me up that you'll ever get yeah. i know i love babies that wake up so happy yeah he's uh he is <laughs> always so happy i don't he barely cries sleeps through the night he's the happiest child i think i've ever seen all right so you know the chances of getting two of those are rare <laughs> that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying i'm like i'm count i'm counting my blessings on one hand right now and hoping hoping that i get lucky in some capacity that they, it, we can repeat rinse and repeat oh the first one we will see and be yeah, we'll see. Okay, i'm gonna have to interview you back when your baby's about a year old and, and see how <laughs> the second baby was <laughs> yeah too that's fun all right so uh i i always take a few notes and uh i was so at the end so first of all i just want to thank you for being on the show today i would love to talk to you more but i know that you have a, another call so i can't i can't keep you on a little bit longer <laughs> So I always like to kind of just do a quick review because we call this session like Inside the Minds of Today's Millionaires. But we're just trying to find out like, you know, what makes people tick. And uh, and I, first of all, I, I love your name, A. <laughs> Thank you. I love that you're 100% Egyptian because so beautiful, so <laughs> handsome. <laughs> Babies like to die for. But I, I love your whole, what you do. So so I'm going to do Inside the Minds of uh, C. Kafog A. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Fanatic. Oh, okay, so 29, having a second baby. Person's name is Zane. Wife's name is Brandy. Don't know what we're naming the baby. So you didn't share that with me. Okay. <laughs> Steve at techvester.com. 
And you basically uh, do short-term rentals. You have developed some amazing tech to help manage and and do the short-term rentals, which I think is really, 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 really seriously needed in our industry. And um, you work with accredited investors, $25,000 to buy in. They make between 8 and 9%, which is good. When you were in uh, L.A., when you were young, living in outside of L.A., you were curious. You would take computers apart and put them back together, which is super fun. And you would buy and flip cars, which was I've never met anyone that said that. I was like, oh, that's a first, that's a first answer right there. I love that. And you started a sports camp, which I didn't know to ask you, what kind of sports is it? Uh, basketball and football. Nice. Sports camp, which is awesome. And then and you started doing the short term. So you started in the time of the crash and kind of crash and burn on that first deal. But thankfully you got back in it. Now you find them, you design them, you run them, you do the whole thing. You like the Backstreet Boys, French fries, and you love when your son wakes up. Best part of my day. Always will be. In fact, some French fries when he wakes up sounds like an incredible dual, <laughs> dual, <laughs> dual uh, little morning. Hash, their morning hash browns are good too, though. It's yeah, all I, with you there. Yeah, they are. I, I know it sounds so bad for you, but I swear, it's, I don't know. It's like my secret. My secret like <laughs> that is like mm, all of it. Okay. So folks listening, thank you for coming on the show today. I'm trying to wrap up real quick because I know Steve has another call. Uh, you can find me at dwanderful.com. And I always ask to do me a favor. If you like the show, if you had fun, if you laughed, I want you to subscribe, to follow me, leave a five-star review, and write something and tell us how wonderful the show was. And see, the last thing of the day is I'd like our guests to leave us with a parting word of wisdom, but actually just a word. Curiosity. Ooh. I love one, th okay. one thing I will always lean on that allowed me to get to this position was curiosity. I Challenge the status quo. You are the first person that you gave us the word curiosity as their mm -hmm. word. So guys, curiosity is your word of the week. And that's why I like to podcast because I'm curious about I'm genuinely curious about people. So I really like talking to people and getting to know different people. Yeah, I'm super excited that we have this podcast and I would love to come on with both babies in a year okay. and tell you okay. exactly how it went. We're coming on at the date. I'm going to hold the chair, put it on my phone. I'm going to call you next year. But hey, it's time. All right, guys. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your time. I know time is valuable, so I appreciate it. And everybody else, you can find us uh, next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And remember that the truth is in the red letter. Okay, everybody. Ciao. Steve, thank you again. Thank you, Dawn.